Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast, Friday afternoon. Harrison Wind here, back from San Antonio, solo edition of the show. We are presented today by The Green Solution. You guys can visit any one of The Green Solution's 17 Colorado locations, or you can browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. There you can reserve products and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout where you'll be in and out in minutes. If you want 20% off, use promo code BSN20 for that discount off your entire purchase. A lot to get to on today's show. I'm going to run down Thursday's Game 6 loss in San Antonio, tell you what I saw, tell you what sticks out, what I'm looking for in Game 7, and some final takeaways from being in San Antonio over the last couple of weeks. A tough one for Denver. They fall, obviously, 120-103. to Denver was in position to win this one. I wrote... After the game on bsndenver.com, Nikola Jokic goes for what I think was his best game of his career. This is the best basketball game Nikola Jokic has played in Nuggets uniform. Denver should have been carrying him down the Riverwalk in downtown San Antonio after this one, celebrating the Nuggets' first win in a playoff series since 2009. That's what was supposed to happen, and that's what Denver was in position to make happen for much of the Game 6 loss. But no, Denver falls, and... For me, this game, it came down to one stretch, to be quite honest. I felt like Denver was going to win this game even after how hot San Antonio started in the first quarter. They got out to a 10-point lead after one, 34-24, even though they still led at halftime. I thought Denver was in position to win this game throughout. San Antonio, of course, shot the ball really well, and I'll get into some of that in a second here. But it seemed like the Nuggets were right there, and they were just waiting for one Spurs cold spell, bit of cold shooting for San Antonio to just pounce and take control of the game. And they had a couple opportunities to do so, but when Nikola Jokic went to the bench at the end of the third quarter with Denver trailing 88-85, to this was the pivotal point of the game for sure. Jokic had been the best player by far on the court for either team. He had just dominated the Spurs 
shooting the ball from three-point range in this game. He continued his pretty good shooting from beyond the arc, two of six from three, which you'll really take from Jokic. He was doing damage inside. In the pick and roll, he was just unstoppable, rumbling down the lane. The Spurs had no answer for him there. It was his first rest of the second half, one minute and three seconds remaining when he went to the bench. What followed? Well, a 12-2 Spurs run followed. That took San Antonio's lead from three points to 13 points in a little over five minutes. And then Jokic, he was actually sitting at the scores table for probably a minute and a half before he finally got back into the game at the 8.59 mark of the fourth. He couldn't stop the bleeding. That 12-2 run snowballed into a 22-4 run. By the time you caught your breath, the Spurs were up by 15 points, and that was really it. So that's where this game changed, and that run kind of speaks to the biggest takeaway I thought from this one was that Denver's bench didn't do enough. The Nuggets' second unit did not help Denver starters and Jokic out enough in this one. They combined for just 13 points. Mason Plumley, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, and Will Barton. Nobody really on that group had a good night. I think Monte Morris had some good moments, but he was really the only one. I mean, that second unit combined to shoot 5 of 23 from the field. While the Spurs bench, a couple of those guys had decent nights, mainly Marco Bellinelli, who I thought played well for one of the first times in this series. Patty Mills, I didn't think looked great. He was just 3 of 12 from the field, but Rudy Gay looked like 2008 Rudy Gay. Looked like UConn Rudy Gay out there, 19 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 3 from beyond the arc. He was a plus 9. Really the first game where Rudy Gay has stood out as just a guy who's going to have an impact out there when he's out on the floor. A guy who's going to make you pay. He had kind of been trash in this series up until this point. I was a little worried about him coming into this thing because he had shot it better than 40% from three on the year, had done damage from the corners, but just has not been much of a factor this series until last night. And in game six, he certainly showed out it and hurt Denver's bench. But this game kind of seemed with the narrative that developed with the bench, like it was a version of the 2016, 2017 or 2017, 2018 Nuggets. If you remember those teams, Nuggets bench had been pretty bad really up until this season, and so many times Nuggets would get a lead with Jokic. He'd lead them to a 5- or 10-point lead, or it at least would be a close game with the Nuggets starters out there. And then once he would go to the bench, once he would take a rest, Denver's second unit would just hemorrhage and hemorrhage points and give up leads and lose control of games, and that seemed like it was what happened here on Thursday. So I got a lot of 2016 2017 vibes with just Denver's second unit giving up leads in this one. It would have been great if they could have just at least played even because, like I said, Nikola Jokic turned in the best game of his career. And you feel so bad for the guy. You really do because he had the success he did. 19 of 30 from the field, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, nearly got the triple-double, 43 points, of course, a new career high. His previous career high was 41 he goes up to the podium post game, and he's obviously dejected, but he walks up the steps to the stage, takes hold the mic, Dirk Nowitzki style. You know how Dirk always used to take the mic out of the mic stand and lean back in his chair and just kind of assess the game from there. Jokic does that, which I thought was a nice touch. He was asked about his night, and then he goes on to say, quote, I don't know. I think that the most important thing is the team winning the game. 
We just need to watch the film and try to win the seventh game. My performance is probably the best of my career, but it was not enough. I thought that was significant that Jokic even said this game was probably his best of his career. Because usually if you were going to ask him to assess what he had done on the offensive end of the floor, or the defensive end of the floor for that matter, he'd brush it off and say, oh, it was just my night, or you know, teammates found me, or just the ball was going in the hoop, I was lucky. The fact that he came out and said, this was probably the best game of my career, that shows you how in the zone he was. He knew he was dominating this game. And you just feel bad for the guy because he goes up there and puts out a performance like this and Denver just can't give him enough help. The starters felt like they held their own. Jamal Murray was banged up in this game, obviously. Took another knee from Yaka Pirtle on a screen. I'll discuss that in a second, give you guys my thoughts on that and what I'm hearing on that front. But he finished with 16 points, 7 of 18 shooting. He was only 1 of 5 from 3, but 6 assists to 3 turnovers. I felt like he played fine. Gary Harris gave Denver a pretty good two-way game. Limited Derek White to only 13 points, 4-7 shooting. Harris chipped in 14 points of his own, 5 of 8, hit a couple threes. Torrey Craig was fine, I thought. And I'll get into what Denver did defensively because that's another area where they really struggled. And Paul Millsap, 12 points in this one, 6 of 10 shooting, did a lot of his damage in the first quarter and kind of got Denver off to a relatively decent offensive start. But then the bench just could not hold up its end of the bargain. For Game 7, that group is going to have to play better for sure. And why you think they will. Well, usually younger players play better at home than on the road. Role players play better at home. Your guys off the bench shoot better at home than they do on the road. So that's a little reason to think why Denver's bench could rebound. And look, they've outplayed the Spurs bench for most of the series, I feel like. They've really had their way when San Antonio's gone to that Bellinelli and Patty Mills backup backcourt. Just not on this night. And it was one of the big reasons why Denver fell in Game 6. And now they've got to go home for Game 7 against Greg Popovich, who's probably the last coach you want to face in a deciding Game 7, especially when you're a team who's never been there before. And in a postseasons of firsts, really in a series of firsts, first All-Star bid for Nikola Jokic and all the stuff that happened and transpired over the course of the season. First playoff game for a lot of these young guys. Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray. First road playoff game. First playoff win. First road playoff win. Now you have your first game seven. That's a whole different deal. So I'm excited to see how Denver reacts. A lot more I want to hit on on today's show. I want to touch on the defense. Also, the screen Jamal Murray took in this game, courtesy of Jakob Pertl, that the Nuggets were definitely irked about after this one. First though, quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. If you guys aren't familiar with Strava Craft Coffee, either A, you're not listening to the podcast ad reads enough, or B, you're late to the party because Strava Craft Coffee is some game-changing coffee. It's the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. These guys' reviews, they're incredible. Make sure you check them out. So this CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. Also, it's helped to decrease anxiety. Really, you name it. CBD is all natural. It's not psychoactive. Strava Craft Coffee is rich and tasty, and honestly, we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. You can receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019BSN2019 at checkout. You can also get it shipped straight to your door, so make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. Defensively in this game, 
One of Denver's worst defensive performances of the series for sure. The Nuggets defense has been great. They've been one of the best defenses in the playoffs so far, but you can just look at the numbers and tell their defense wasn't up to part, wasn't up to the level that they played in these previous games. Spurs got 120 points in this game. This is their highest total over this six-game series. Their previous high in points, 114. So this was a series high in points for San Antonio. They also shot it really well from the field, 57% from the field, 42% from three, 10 to 24 on threes, which is a healthy number of threes for the Spurs to take. We've spoken about this on this podcast over the last couple of weeks. The Spurs don't usually shoot a lot of threes, at least over the regular season they didn't, but they make a lot. When they shoot 24 and they make 10, that's probably going to lead to a Spurs win. But they also shot at 14 to 17 from the line. Really good showing there. And you look at San Antonio's big guns. I, I mentioned Rudy Gay's night, and he's not one of the, the big guys that you think about with the Spurs, but he was certainly effective. Seven of 11. He took the fourth most shots in this game out of any Spur other than Aldridge, DeRozan, and Patty Mills. But San Antonio's big two, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, those guys ate in this game. 10 of 18 from the field for Aldridge for 26 points, 10 rebounds. He also had five assists in this one. 25 points on 12 of 16 shooting for DeMar DeRozan. His best offensive performance of the series. He also had seven rebounds and seven assists. I believe five of those came in the first quarter. That was the reason the Spurs got off to a good start because DeRozan was being a facilitator and not just looking to put his head down and get to the rim and get to the mid-range. But what did San Antonio do different offensively in this game? I don't think it was much. I think it was really the same kind of formula they've been running and the same scheme and motion that they've been running all series. A lot of their shots just went in. A lot of the LaMarcus Aldridge fadeaway jumpers went in this time, where in games one through five, they've missed. A lot of those DeMar DeRozan stepbacks, a lot of those DeRozan 15 to 18-foot mid-range contested jumpers that Torrey Craig was sticking with them on, they just went in in this game. Here's a crazy stat that I included in my write-up on this one. The Spurs shot 20 of 29 from the mid-range. I'm sorry, but you're just not going to beat San Antonio if they shoot that percentage on mid-range jumpers. You're just not. You can defend them really well, and a lot of those looks were contested. You can get a hand up. You can force them into those shots, which are the exact type of shots that the Nuggets and any team wants their opponent to take. You're just not going to beat the Spurs if they shoot 20 of 29 from the mid-range. If LaMarcus Aldridge is hitting shots with Jokic draped all over him, which he was in this one, I thought Jokic played fine defensively, just as he has all season. You're not going to beat the Spurs if DeMar DeRozan is in a rhythm like he was. So maybe Denver can take some solace from that and tell themselves that the Spurs aren't going to shoot 20 of 29 on mid-range jumpers again because they won't in Game 7. I can assure you of that. But then again, the Nuggets just didn't do enough of the little things right in this one, I felt like. There were so many instances of the Spurs just winning that 50-50 ball. San Antonio out-rebounded Denver again in this game, 41-37, to which just continues a baffling trend for the Nuggets over the course of this series. Denver has been one of the best, arguably the best rebounding team in the league. Any stat you look at over the last couple of seasons, they were number two in rebounding percentage in the league this season, I believe. But they've been out-rebounded 
for most of this series by San Antonio, a team who was pretty league average. I believe they were 14th in rebounding percentage over the course of the regular season. And it just continues to be a baffling trend that I'm sure the Nuggets and Michael Malone and everybody's pretty confused about. The Spurs have just wanted it a bit more on the glass. They've, they've hit the offensive glass hard at times and just made it a point to win the rebounding battle. It's obviously was a point of emphasis for San Antonio coming into this series, and they've done just that. But like I just said, some of those hustle plays, those 50-50 balls, those plays that could go to either team that win games... The Nuggets just didn't make. I mean, you can just remember back distinctly to that play right before halftime where DeMar DeRozan is at the free throw line with 0.8 seconds left and Jamal Murray just doesn't box him out. Murray just wanders into the lane, tries to jump for the rebound. DeRozan out jumps him, who's obviously got a few inches on him, obviously a longer wingspan, obviously a longer reach, just grabs the ball and puts that layup in. And there were some issues with the clock on that play. It started late, so I'm not sure why. But the refs did look at that and deem that that shot should still count. But that was just one of those examples of one of those plays that will be eating at Michael Malone over the next 24 hours until Game 7 Saturday. And that Denver just didn't make enough of in this game where their bench wasn't playing well. And they weren't shooting the ball as well as they would have liked. Denver shot just 25% from three in this game, 6-24, to 24, one of those poor three-point performances that we've seen from this team over the course of this season. They needed to make more of those 50-50 plays to win this game, and they just didn't. A play that was the source of a lot of contention post-game happened early in the third quarter, and it's not the first time it's happened this series. Jamal Murray was defending Derek White out on the perimeter. White was dribbling with his right hand, Using a Yaka Pirtle screen, Pirtle sets the screen, and Murray's left thigh makes contact with Pirtle's left knee. Like I said, it's not the first time this happened this series. The Nuggets have run into Yaka Pirtle's knee a few times, including Jamal Murray, including Gary Harris earlier this series. The question during the second half, the question after the game that I got posed to myself and what everybody is wondering is, was this a dirty play by Jakob Pertl? Was this a dirty screen? Or was this just a playoff-type pick? Just a playoff screen. You're allowed a little more contact in the playoffs. We all know that. You're allowed to get away with a little bit more. Everybody commits moving screens. Nicole Jokic commits moving screens. Jakob Pertl commits moving screens. Everybody in the league does. But the this cross the line. If you ask the Nuggets, I think they would say yes. And Jamal Murray's been hurt by this a few times. And if you watch the replay, I don't think it's tough to see. I don't think it's debatable, but Pirtle lifts his left knee and almost looks like he drives it into Jamal Murray's left thigh. And you can say what you want about if Jokic pushes Pirtle into Murray. There's a little push there, of course, but I don't think that push makes Pirtle drive his knee into Murray's thigh, which is what I think happened there. I think that's pretty obvious, and I don't think Jokic's push was because of that. And Murray obviously wasn't the same after this thigh contusion or Charlie horse, whatever you want to call it. Was this an illegal screen? Yes. Does this type of screen happen in the playoffs all the time? Yes. And it's been happening all series on both fronts. I don't know if Nicole Jokic is necessarily lifting his knee, per se, into Spurs players, but he's probably committed his fair share of moving screens this series. But Denver's gotten hurt by this one, and 
He's Pirtle's gotten Harris with it. He's gotten Murray with it twice. The Nuggets are upset about it. They're pissed about it, to be quite honest. And they've sent clips of Pirtle screens and clips of illegal Spurs screens into the league throughout the series, which is something teams do throughout the regular season and the playoffs. They send clips from time to time into the league of things they think are being refereed wrong and with the hope out there that it will get corrected and they'll get a favorable whistle when it comes to those plays in the future. Denver's done that with San Antonio's screens this series, and I'm sure they did that with this play as well. What the league has said in response, based on what Mike Malone said when I asked him about this after Thursday's loss, after the Game 6 loss, he says the league has been telling them that they're right, that these screens should be called illegal, but obviously they're just not getting caught. They're not getting called in real time during games. So Denver's just got to deal with this. And Jakob Pertl, he's not going to get suspended for this. He's not going to get fined for this. The only thing I could see happening is the Spurs get a little message in their inbox from the league office that says, hey, these screens that Jakob Pertl is setting, maybe just keep your knees closer into your body. Don't extend your knees out into opposing players. That's, I'm sure, the message that the league would send to the Spurs if they would send one at all. And I'm not sure if they would, but I think they would say something considering they've admitted to Denver that these screens should be getting called as illegal screens. And look, this stuff happens in the playoffs. These type of physical plays happen in the playoffs and they don't always get called. And usually they're not going to get called because we all know that officials swallow their whistles in the playoffs. And look, I think it's benefited the Nuggets at times this series. I think it's benefited the Spurs at times this series. It's not just this one play. There's, It's been a physical series for sure, just like any series is going to be in the playoffs. And this is just something Nuggets are going to have to deal with and overcome. The bigger concern coming out of it was, will Jamal Murray be healthy for Game 7 on Saturday? And he wasn't on the injury report released by the team Friday afternoon. I can tell you, though, he was in some pretty obvious pain as he limped out of the Nuggets visiting locker room at AT&T Center late Thursday night was not at 100%, had a visible wrap over his left thigh where that contact was made. So we'll see how he looks in Game 7. The Nuggets will certainly need a good game from him because we all know that when Jamal Murray scores 20-something points in the playoffs, Denver's going to win. When he doesn't, they're probably going to lose. That's what's happened in every game this series. Murray scored over 20 points in three games. Nuggets have won three games. And in the three where he scored less than 20 points, Denver has lost. Let's hit a break real quick. I'll tell you what I'll be watching for in game seven on the other side. I'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. 
they've done actually everything from preparing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. If you visit mygreensolution.com, their website, you can use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wint here on a Friday. Here's what I'll be watching for in Game 7. And I predicted this series would go Game 7 on a podcast before this series started. It hasn't transpired exactly how I thought it would, but I feel like I was pretty close. I actually predicted that the home team would win every game this series. Denver, of course, lost Game 1, but has won every home game since. The Spurs lost one game at home as well. So I was close there, but I've got the Nuggets in seven. That's the prediction I had before the series started. I'm sticking with it. The biggest reason why I think Denver wins this game is because they're at home. If this game was being played in San Antonio, I would take the Spurs to win. But the fact that the Nuggets are playing this a game at Pepsi Center, where they've amassed the best home record in the league this season, where they've only lost one playoff game, Game one is the only game at home this playoffs that the Nuggets have lost. That's the biggest reason why I think they win this game. They've looked like a different team at home all season. They shoot the ball better at home. Your role players, your young guys, your bench will shoot the ball better at home than on the road typically. And I think Denver gets a better shooting game in this game seven than they got in game six. They're just so much more comfortable at home, this Nuggets team. They've looked like a different team on their home court throughout the season. What else will Denver have to do to get a Game 7 win? They've got to play this game at a faster pace than Game 6. The pace in Game 6, 90. A 90 pace. That plays right into the Spurs' hands. The Spurs want to muck this game up. The Spurs want to be physical. The Spurs want to set those hard screens and get Denver uncomfortable. They want to agitate the Nuggets. That's what they were able to do in Game 6, it felt like. And that's what they'll try to do in Game 7. They'll try to really slow the pace down again. They'll try to make this into a half-court game. And I know that over the course of the regular season, the Nuggets actually played at a slower pace than the Spurs. But that was obviously going to have to shift in the playoffs for Denver to win this first-round series. And the games where they've gotten some good pace into it and where they've gotten up and down the floor a bit more, they've had some success. And they're going to need to play Game 7 at a much faster pace than Game 6. Score at least 15 or so fast break points. Coming into game six, the team that had scored the most fast break points in games one through five had actually won that game. Funny enough, the Nuggets and Spurs each had 12 fast break points in game six. So that didn't exactly hold up in this latest Denver loss. But if Denver can get out on the break more, run the floor, get close to 15 or 20 fast break points, I think Denver wins this game. They've got to win the rebounding battle as well. It's baffling how Denver has just not commanded the boards in this series. But the Spurs have made that a point of emphasis, and they've certainly followed through on that. In Game 7, the Nuggets will undoubtedly need a better performance from their bench. Malik Beasley. I mean, he's going to have to hit more than one shot from the field. He's going to have to hit a three in Game 7, at least one three for Denver to win. Mason Plumlee, you would like him to have an impact. I've been stunned. I've been stunned by how Mason Plumlee has just been a non-factor in this series. Played eight minutes in this game, picked up three fouls, three rebounds, the minus six, one to two from the floor. 
he had a great season. He just has not had that same type of impact in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't really quite know why, to be quite honest. This seemed like a series, as long as he wasn't getting killed by Davis Bertans, that he could play a role in. And Bertans has been phased out of this thing from a Spurs perspective over the course of this series. They've got to get Jamal Murray going in the first quarter. The fact that Murray had zero points in the first quarter, that spelled disaster for the Nuggets in my mind when I looked at the box score after 12 minutes in game six. He was 0-3 from the field. Jamal Murray's always been a guy where if he gets a few baskets to go in, if he gets a three, if he gets a couple tough jumpers or a couple finishes around the basket to go in in the first quarter, that's going to set him up well for the rest of the game. But that didn't happen in game six, so Denver needs to get him some buckets. He needs to hit one of those transition threes early. That gets the crowd going. That gets him going early on in game seven. Finally, Denver just can't come out tight. If they come out tight, if they come out with some nerves, which I think is possible in a game seven for a group that really hasn't been there before, the Nuggets will lose this game. And the easiest way to avoid nerves, hit some shots early on. If Denver starts this game 0-5 from three, that will be a very bad sign moving forward because I think Denver could get tight if they start poorly, if they start cold from beyond the arc. If the Nuggets hit a couple threes in the early going, I think they'll be fine. How the first few minutes of this game transpire will be critical to Game 7. When it comes to Nikola Jokic, what we know after this series is the Nuggets don't have to worry about Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. He's been so good this series. I think he's been arguably the best player in the first round of the playoffs throughout the entire NBA. Damian Lillard has a case. Giannis has a case. Harden might have a case, but I think Jokic has been better than Harden. He's been amazing these playoffs. He's been as good as the Nuggets could have hoped for him to be. He's been a factor defensively. At times, he's really bothered Aldridge. Aldridge was able to get going in this game, but I don't think it was necessarily Jokic's fault. I don't think his defense dropped off drastically from Game 5 to Game 6. I felt like he still gave a good effort there. Offensively, he's just been brilliant. In the pick and roll, he's been unstoppable. He's been hitting his three-ball two pretty well in the postseason, definitely better than he did in the regular season. Nobody's been able to handle him in the post this series. He's just got way too much power, way too much size, way too much strength. He can really back down anybody, whether it's Aldridge or Pirtle. And he's just been himself. He's playing with a flair. He's playing with a spirit. He's playing with the same type of swagger that he had in the regular season. And that's a great sign for Jokic and the Nuggets moving forward no matter how this series turns out. But it also is a good sign for Game 7 because I don't think Jokic is going to be nervous, right? There could be some nerves in your first Game 7, but Jokic isn't going to feel those nerves. He's going to be fine. I've just been so impressed with how he's handled himself and how he's carried himself off the court and on the court. He's been great at the podium. He's been great with the media. And he's been absolutely unbelievable in between the lines and was again in game six. People will not talk enough about how magical he was in this game. 43 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists in a loss. Even if this came in a win, nobody would really be talking about it. But this was just such a dominating offensive performance from Nikola Jokic. 43 points, his career high. His previous career high was 41. It's also the most points a Nuggets player has scored in a playoff game in franchise history. Alex English had 42 on a couple of occasions, I believe. Carmelo Anthony had 41. But Nikola Jokic stands atop all of them as scoring the most points in a Nuggets uniform in a playoff game ever. His stat line 
I still can't get over it. 43, 12, and 9. Here's a list of players who have put up those type of numbers in a playoff game. Magic Johnson, Oscar Robertson, Charles Barkley, and Jokic. Paul Millsap, who now famously guaranteed a victory in Game 5, had this to say after this Game 6 loss. Quote, you've got to play the perfect basketball game. And he was speaking about what it will take in order to win Game 7. The Nuggets will have to play one of their better games of the series. No doubt about that. The Spurs will bring it. They're experienced. They won't be tense. I can tell you that. Denver will have to play great on both ends of the floor. That's all the time I got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with another episode breaking down a win or a loss in Game 7 Saturday night. Talk to you then. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, We have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Moe's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue.